in this bonus edition of the Grown Up Rock podcast to hopefully keep you all engaged as you sit at home wishing you were out at a club or a concert just like I do. I figured why not bring you this short interview with former Aussie guitarist Gus G as we discuss the new Firewind album which hits the public today as you're hearing this. So, please enjoy this special Growing Up Rock podcast interview with Firewind guitarist Gus G. Now, crank it up. Gus G was a guitar player that I knew nothing about until he was introduced as the new guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne. I knew Ozzy and Zach were moving apart and Zach was becoming much busier with Black Label Society, so I knew a new guitar player was just a matter of time. So when Gus G was announced, I was like, who? Then I started reading about Firewind and his time with Arch Enemy, etc., So I started looking into Firewind. Admittedly, I'm not really a power metal kind of guy. 
it's not really my bang zone for rock and roll. That being said, more and more lately, I've started to get into bands like Beast in Black, Battle Beast, and of course, Firewind. If you're listening to this episode on the day it's released, May 15th, 2020, the new self-titled Firewind album will hit the public on AFM Records. So if you dig the music that you've been hearing and will be hearing throughout this episode, go pick this record up. Firewind was formed in 1998 by Gus G as a collection of music used to spotlight his playing. The band has eight studio albums, nine including the self-titled one that's being released today, and the band has had several lineup changes which we discuss, but has recently settled upon Gus G, obviously, lead guitar, Petros, and I won't even try and pronounce his last name on bass and backing vocals, Johan Nunez on drums, and Herbie Langkins on vocals. As we do with all first-timers on the show, Gus and I chat about his early influences, his love for cats, and the new Firewind lineup and album. We don't talk a whole lot about his days in Ozzy simply because it's old news, so it's already out there, and there really wasn't much to talk about. His time with Ozzy really, to me, seemed pretty brief. I don't know, there wasn't much to it other than that album. I wanted to focus on his band, Firewind. So enjoy this interview with Gus G from Firewind. Hey everybody, this is Gus G from Firewind and you're listening to Growing Up Rock Podcast with Steve and Michael. Crank it up. Welcome to the Growing Up Rock Podcast, the phenomenally talented Firewind guitarist, Gus G. Gus, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. Same as you. We're uh, tied up in our in our homes. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting time for everybody right now. Yeah. It is. It's an interesting and it is a historic time uh, for everybody. We'll look back on this. It'll be in history for quite some time. 
for sure. So Gus, this is your first time on the show. Let's start with a little of your growing up rock story. Growing up in Greece, was it a typical situation for a kid getting into music and rock and roll in particular? Did you get turned on to music like kids here in the States from radio, TV, magazines, other friends, record stores? You could say that, yeah. It was at that time. I mean, um, I grew up in the 80s. I mean, I'm born in 80s, so growing up. By the time I was like 11, 12, 13, it was like early 90s. So that was also like um, a lot of MTV. So I think I got turned on to rock through a, a lot of videos i used to see on mtv we used to have the british mtv that would that was broadcasted here so yeah that's where i think i got turned on to rock and metal but also a little bit before that through my uh, father's vinyl collection even though my father primarily uh listened to uh, you know greek folk music and stuff which i wasn't really that much into it but um he did have a couple of rock vinyls at home and Mainly the reason why I picked up the guitar was uh, Peter Frampton. That was uh, Frampton Comes Alive. My dad had that vinyl. And I remember listening to that guitar sounds, and that was what really turned me on to rock and roll. And Was it the talk box in particular or just overall? Yeah, the talk box on that Do You Feel Like We Do, that one. That was like, it's kind of funny. Like when you're a kid, you don't really know what these things are. You know, when you're like eight or nine years old, you're like, you just have this kind of, I had this kind of vision in my head, like, I should be doing this, like I should be playing, I, I want to play the guitar, I want to know how to do this, even though I didn't really know what it is, I didn't know what a, you know, a rock concert is, or, or all these things, you know, you're just, just too young. <laughs> yeah. Did you have the opportunity to see any kind of, like, rock concerts where you lived? Uh, not until a little bit later. I actually, believe it or not, the first rock concert that I ever attended was in the States because I used to um, I used to visit my uncle I have uh, who is in Florida yeah. it's my, my mother's brother yeah so we used to visit him a lot when we were kids every second every other summer so I think when I was 13 or 14 or something my uncle had tickets to go see the, uh, the Eagles that was the first uh, reunion tour they did well, of course the Eagles Hotel California that was another big record for me growing up right you know so you know that was i think that was as far as i can remember at least that was the first like rock rock and roll concert yeah i think i had seen some uh, greek artists before that when i was younger but yeah that wasn't really a thing but uh yeah like the proper international rock concert i saw yeah that was it what was it in that music that attracted you in the rock genre well originally it was a guitar sound yeah the guitar sound you know the the distorted guitar sound uh you know, those guitar licks, the bluesy stuff. The, um, and of course, as I, as I was getting older, of course, the, the heavier stuff that, you know, I loved all that, you know, the loud drums, all those kind of things, you know. Sure. Do you remember what the first rock albums you bought with your own money were? Uh, you know, I, that's the thing. I could be wrong. But also back then, you know, it was um, a lot of, uh, we, we used to make cassettes for each other, like recording yep. stuff. So I had a lot of cassettes and stuff, but I remember like probably the vinyl, I caught the tail end of the vinyl era. And then, you know, like sometime in 93, 94, like CDs were like the popular thing all of a sudden. I think I bought a few vinyls before that though. I think, um, when we talk about albums, we call everything albums. I'm old, so I call CDs and cassettes and everything an album. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 I think, 
or maybe that was around the same time when I was 14, 15. I think the first, like, I think I, I went out, I had money, just enough money to buy like one CD. And um, I, I know for sure that my first CD was a, a compilation um, CD. Like it was a, it was a tribute to a Black Sabbath, Nativity in Black. I don't know if you remember that or if you know that. I do. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And I remember I bought, the reason why I bought that was because I had heard of Black Sabbath like just recently from from a, a cassette, you know, for that a, a classmate gave my gave me uh, in school. But I wanted to buy uh, a lot of CDs, and I couldn't obviously. I could only afford one, so I bought this uh, because it said you know various artists. So so I thought, okay, I buy one CD, and there's like ten or fifteen bands in there, so I get to hear yeah. other bands how they sound, and they play Black Sabbath songs, which I kind of knew, you know the yeah. the classics already. So I remember that one being the first. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart idea. You get a bunch of bands for the same price. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but of course, not like you're buying 10 records, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right on. So once you decided on the guitar, was it something that came natural to you or did you pick it up and absorb it pretty quickly or did you have to lock yourself away and practice for ridiculous amounts of hours? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I had to practice a lot. I did have a feeling that I was a natural, you know, that it was, um, and I remember that my, my teacher, my guitar teacher saying this to my dad that, you know, your son's a natural. So he, he has a, you know, his natural talent, you know, right. but you know, it's not like I didn't have to work to develop the skill. You know, it's not like I picked up the guitar and you could play all this. Stuff. No, 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 yeah. absolutely not. It's uh, you know, I had to work really hard for it, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It was not like, it was not a, there was never a day of struggle, you know what I mean? Like if you if you really enjoy what you do, you don't really feel like you're Yeah, it's not a it's not a job if you enjoy it. No. To yeah. me it was like I couldn't wait for the weekend to come, you know, so I don't have to go to school and then just basically what I did was sit with a guitar and do these marathons of practicing, like getting up like at nine or ten AM and having breakfast and just play guitar for the whole day until I slept and then on Sunday we'll do the same thing. So mm. it was just very, you know, what I enjoyed doing. I, I didn't really socialize as a kid much, you know, in school and stuff, because I, I just, after school or something, especially in high school, I mean, uh, you know, I would just rush home and just couldn't wait to just pick up the guitar and play yeah. and sort of make up for the lost hours that I was in school. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you're a cat person as am I. Oh, cool. Do you still have three cats? I do. Yes. <laughs> Are they indoor or outdoor cats? Indoor. Yeah. I, um, we used to live a little bit uh, outside the city and um, we had a big garden and everything and we, we rarely l- let them out because, I, uh, you know, there were some uh, stray cats around so that I didn't want them to, you know, interfere with that. So mainly at home. But now we recently just moved back in the city and we live like in a, in a top floor in a, in, a, in a building. So, yeah, they're indoors. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so I noticed uh, in one of the videos that one of your cats has three legs. What's the story with that one? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's Marquise, and she. Uh, I found her. Yeah, when I was, uh, like I said, with one of my previous houses that I lived um, uh, in the countryside, and I found her outside my house one day, and she was a baby, and um, and I found her laying on the side of the street, and um, I saw some um, some stray dogs, kind of like sniffing her you know and i thought oh my god they're gonna kill the 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 kitten you know so i just grabbed her and i realized that she had um one of her front uh, legs it was limping so it was um basically just not 
it was um what's the word like it wasn't moving at all right and, um so I, I i took her to the vet right away and um we basically gave her the uh, whatever shots or whatever it was and uh I, I just took her in basically i didn't really think about it yeah it was just one of those things where you just make that decision instantly i'm like okay i'm taking this cat in with me and uh, sure. for a while there was um well, they, they, the the vet told us that the, the nerves were cut off. Yeah. So I don't know if a car hit her when she was a baby or or if I just caught her right after she got hit. Yeah. But her front leg was just like this. But And there was a, a discussion early on about whether we should have amputated the, the front leg or not. But uh, luckily, we didn't have to do that because somehow she kind of kept it close to her. And it was uh, and it's kind of stayed there and it doesn't bother her at all. And she can... Yeah. and run around and she's perfectly healthy yeah she looked like she was getting around good <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> fire when the band has been around for 20 years now at this point but originally this project was a collection of demos that you created to showcase your guitar playing correct yeah yeah okay yeah it was a it's an interesting story because you told me before you were from atlanta but um, i was first signed to a record label based in atlanta leviathan records um, which is owned by um, 80s guitar hero David Chastain. I'm not sure if you heard of him, but sure. um, yeah. So David, you know, he's like, I, I love Chastain, and since I was a kid, so you know, I used to send him my demos. You know, when I was, I don't know, 18 or something, and eventually he offered me a record deal. And the thing with that record deal was that, like, it was more like a, I was hoping it was going to be a record deal for the band Firewind. It was at that point it was like an imaginary band for me. I had no band. It was right. just me, really. So basically, what you know, David wanted to help me to produce me my music and help me sort of make like a yeah an album that would showcase my talent basically and sort of try to help me develop as a musician. I was so young then, and um, he put me in touch with a lot of musicians, with some musicians basically. Then we we started doing this record, and I was you know when we was time to kind of like name the project, I was, I kept pushing the idea to him like, okay, it should be Firewind, and Firewind, and because, you know, I was hoping that this was going to be the start of this band. And so it became like that. Yeah. And we made two records there together. And that was the beginning of Firewind, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's been uh, several singers and drummers that have come and gone through Firewind. It seems like at some point, this was a little bit of a frustrating issue for you. And you sort of put, Firewind down for a while to focus on your solo career. Am I reading into that correctly, or was there more to that than than just that? No, it was exactly that. You okay. know, we. Um, I think maybe partly because of uh, my career and my style developed in a very public way. You know, by making records and wanted. You know, the next step was to make this sort of project go on tour, and then that's when you need to find people that are closer to where you live and. So that's when all these lineup changes happen. And I was doing all that while we already had record deals and, you know, a, a small fan base, which was growing all the time. So, you know, the history of Firewind is sort of people have sort of witnessed us going through all these changes and all those motions. And um, and at some point, you know, and then what happens is that, you know, you, you get older and people want other things. And then at some point it was like, yeah, it was getting too much, especially with singers. I think we've also been a little bit unlucky with that that you know we didn't have a stable singer for a while and um yeah at some point i was just like you know i need a break from this so i put the band on hiatus and just went on to do solo stuff and then you know then we kind of like picked it up again three years ago and made another album and then again next thing you know after you do this and 
and you do like a world tour for two years, you people can also realize that that's the thing, you know, like if you um touring a lot, touring extensively can um you know, it can really make or break a band as the way that I see it, you know, and the way that how I say it is um it's kind of hard when you get older for some people to kind of like maintain the same vision and uh that's just inevitable. I mean, um we're not the first band that goes through those kind of things. No, I, I think it's probably especially important nowadays. I mean, that's really, if you're going to break a band, you got to get out there on the road for sure. It is, yeah. And, um, you know, and unless there's like some big sort of financial investment behind this, you know, it's hard to keep everybody happy and on the same page, you know. And, and, and we've never been that band. We've been totally, what's the word, like um, self-made. You know? Yeah, do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so the new Firewind album, which is a self-titled record, is being released via AFM Records on May 15th. I read somewhere that you felt like the new Firewind album was sort of a relaunching of the band. It felt like a return to the spirit and feel of the earlier band with the addition of the new uh singer Herbie. Can you go into more detail about that? Sure, yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, when when uh, I, when it became apparent that, well, this lineup was, was going to change and, you know, our keyboard player also wanted to quit the touring lifestyle and focus on his studio work. To me, that was like that was like the, the sort of like the point where I was like, OK, this is like, well, either we stop, you know, because it, it can also get frustrating and either like that you stop or you or it's I would approach this as a chance to with a chance to revisit the band rebuilt the band so to speak like if if i had the opportunity to sort of reintroduce the band to the audience today how would i do it how, how would that be so yeah i made all these decisions and thankfully i came across uh, herbie langens and um this is the outcome you know this new record for this record was it a modern era album were you guys emailing files back and forth or was it everyone got in the same room and knocked it out or a little both yeah, we're we've always been the band that uh, shared files since the very very you know first record. So, sure. uh, and when Herbie came in, we already had I've already written the music and already recorded drums and guitars. Everything was tracked. We all we missed was we were missing was the vocals. So it was a little bit of a strange situation like that, especially for the new guy that comes in. Right. But um, you know, Herbie uh, did a great job. You know, and also he got the chance to write a lot of stuff on his own, you know, because I, I needed like a, a co-writer, basically. So, yeah, he did a lot of lyrics and a lot of vocal melodies. And we went back and forth with file sharing and stuff. And at some point we met, he flew down here to Greece because we wanted to do photo shoots and videos and stuff. And we still were not done with a whole record. So we wrote some stuff here together as well. But like I said, it's like when, when, when Herbie joined, the music was already there. It's not like we started something totally from scratch. Right. But it's kind of funny. I mean, you, you couldn't tell. I mean, I think it sounds really cohesive. And I felt that his vocals sit in perfectly with, with the musical arrangements and everything. Yeah. What is the writing process like for you? Does it start with a riff or a melody or does it come from all different places? Yeah, for me, it's usually the riffs, you know. And uh, I mean, I have a certain way that I write. I usually just compile ideas in my hard, hard disk. You know, I just write stuff, whether it's like a 10 second riff or it's like, a whole sequence, you know, of a series of riffs. And I'll just put down the riffs and then I'll make like drum beats and stuff and play the bass and all that. And, um, and I just usually like just let it sit there for a while and then I go do something else and come back and either work on this idea or start a new idea. 
I sort of pile up risks like that. I, I find it easier. It keeps the creativity flowing. And, um, and I just uh, basically finish all these musical pieces, these musical arrangements. And then the, the next step for me is to sort of, uh, yeah, talk to the singer or producer or whoever I'm collaborating with. And I'm kind of like sending them the music. And then I expect to hear back like some sort of vocal melody. Sometimes I have ideas of my own that I suggest. and But usually I like them to do that. You know, I, I very old school, you know, like I do the music and the singer does the vocals. And um, so that's how it works. And then we go back and forth and we fine tune it, you know? Yeah. The album has a very diverse feeling to me, uh, meaning it's not just a power metal or a hard rock album. It seems to encompass many different styles that all fall under the guitar driven umbrella, obviously. But was that the idea from the beginning or is it just how and where the songs ended up in the end? It was, uh, I guess, kind of like a maybe a, a happy accident in a way because yeah. I originally started writing and I, we thought, okay, maybe we should follow up that formula that the last record had, the Immortals, which was like a concept record lyrically and musically. And I tried to do that again, but it didn't come out like that. I um, so all these different type of songs started coming coming in, and um, I mean, quickly I realized that okay, this is going to be a pretty diverse record. And I thought about it and I was like, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing because some of our most successful albums like Allegiance or Premonition were like that. They had a lot of variety in there. And I thought, well, you know, this is uh, this seems to be like, you know, a lot of the ingredients that make up firing what it is, you know, obviously very guitar driven, but also having songs ranging from hard rock to, yeah power metal or fast stuff or just traditional heavy stuff yeah it was it was just something that i wasn't really you know so afraid to do you know because we've done it before and um i know it can all these things can exist in a firewind record yeah well it's not so out of bounds that it turns off a fan of of rock and roll so i mean it you know it's not that and and to me like no matter how like different the musical ideas or the riff or whatever like it, in the end, like it's the vocals that sort of define it, what it is. So if the vocal line, if the, the idea, the vocal idea is good enough, it can tie in all these things under the same umbrella. So um, I was confident that if we had that, if we had the right vocals for this, yeah, it would still be a really strong album. It would actually uh, make a difference even. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Gus, you've been a pleasure to talk to. I appreciate it. We're going to put all of your contact information for the new record and for yourself in our show notes. Pick a Firewind song to play us out. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe we can play uh, the opening track of the record, uh, which is uh, Welcome to the Empire. Sounds good. Gus, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 